More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Wednesday edition of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. Got a lot to discuss with you today. Just quick roadmap, our friends, friends, uh, Julie Kelly and Vivek Ramaswamy will be joining us today here on the program. Uh, we'll have Julie joining to talk about the Latest legal wrangling around the D.C. case against Trump. Judge Chutkin, the fix is in. We will discuss the latest with her on that one. Don't forget, we are now getting closer and closer to a possible federal criminal felony trial against the currently leading presidential uh, contender for the Republicans. We also going to have, speaking of presidential contenders, Vivek Ramaswamy's on. He's got some very interesting things he wants to bring to your attention. He reached out, said, guys, we got to talk about this. We said, Vivek, let's do it. And so here we are. Um, we've got that to, to, uh, to dive into together. Also, uh, Biden tells 813,000 more Americans he has wiped their student loan debt. This was an interesting one today. You're, you're just going to see. Uh, more and more of this, you're going to see the usage of your taxpayer dollars to bribe different constituencies to try to vote Democrat, something we can certainly discuss in uh, greater detail. An interesting twist. I'm going to leave this one for Clay to set up in a little bit on the I, I don't even know if we can call it a controversy because it's so stupid and so far from a controversy, but it was a vicious attack on a young boy who dressed as a uh, Kansas City chief at a football game, had black and red paint on his face, and some uh, sheer, just unbelievable imbecile uh, said that this was a version of blackface and therefore there should be NFL sanctions of some kind against the family. It was insane. Turns out, not only are people all backing up the boy and his family, uh, but also there's a, there's a twist in that story. I'm going to leave that one for Clay, though, because there's it gets better, folks. The good guys are winning, and it gets better. But I wanted to start with this one today, Clay, because tomorrow we'll be diving into this quite a bit. 
Um, and, and it's going to be, I think, a moment in time where we maybe take a little bit of a pause from looking at the Republican primary and also talking about Biden's long-term prospects and look more at the state-by-state phenomena that are going on in this country right now, red versus blue. Wall Street Journal has this opinion piece up. DeSantis versus Newsom, a scorecard. Here's a cheat sheet to keep track of Thursday's debate. And you look at this, and it breaks down the numbers. Employment, for example. Employment since January 2019 has increased by a million in Florida while declining by 85,000 in California. Unemployment, despite a shrinking labor force, California's 4.8% jobless rate is the second highest in the country and nearly twice as high as Florida's. You go down the list. I can't go through all of it right now, except in every metric where everything where you could look at numbers. Yes. Florida beats the, the, you know, the absolute tail off of California. I mean, just absolutely crushes it, right? And yet, People still talk about Gavin Newsom as a likely Democrat presidential contender. Are we at the point now where ideology is so strong in the blue states that results don't matter? Yes. And and that's one of the scariest things to me about where we are as a nation. Let me hit you with two more stats here that I think really kind of go to the essence of this. You live in Florida now. Florida has really good weather, Buck. Wouldn't you expect that there would be massive amounts of homelessness on the streets? Miami, Tampa, Orlando, South Florida, where the weather is really good. This one jumped out at me. Federal government counted 171,521 homeless people in California last year versus 25,959 in Florida. Um, and they've effectively decriminalized drug use, which makes it harder to force addicts on the street into treatment. Now... Per capita, Florida has a smaller population than California, but even adjusted per capita, California has way more homeless people. And I know for a lot of you out there listening to me right now who are in uh, Southern California, there are many great neighborhoods in Southern California that have been totally taken over on the beachside community. Santa Monica, for instance, Venice, with a huge number of homeless people, even all the way down the coast into Orange County, for instance. It's a major quality of life issue. I would just wonder, what is Florida doing? Again, I'm comparing South Florida, which has great weather, with Southern California, which has very good weather, too. What is Florida doing that they have so many fewer homeless people taking over streets? That should be something that's studied. I mean, you've probably noticed that as someone who lives in South Florida now, Buck, there's almost no one uh, of a substantial numbers that are homeless in Miami. Compare it to L.A., it's night and day. Well, it, it all ties in together. The 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 phenomenon of uh, homelessness and and urban decay in California is tied directly to if you have to think of these as all interlinked. They have effectively decriminalized. I mean, you can start with San Francisco. It's somewhat true of L.A. as well, though. You know, the cities are a little bit different in how they're approaching this. And then statewide, overall, it's true. Um, they have largely decriminalized drug use in public, right? So start with that. So what does that do? Well, now you've got you've got weather where you can effectively camp outside year round. 
If you Same were homeless, you right? But if yes. you were homeless, you would think I'm going to try to get to the place that is the most comfortable where I'm not going to freeze to death, right? Yes. Like, if, and that would if, be if South you tried Florida, to, to camp California. outside uh, of the streets uh, of, you know, Helena, Montana, for example, it's going to be a really rough January, right? Yes. Like that's that's not going to work. So you can't do that. But you can do it in California, you can do it in Florida. Okay. So then what what all ties in together? They've decriminalized drug use in public. The drug users then. To, to, and, and keep in mind that these are people overwhelmingly, when we talk of homeless, the old model of homelessness from like the 80s and 90s, and I had a, I had a grandfather, actually has a school for disadvantaged children named after him in the Bronx, New York, um, and he did a lot of work with, with the homeless population in New York. The older model was people would talk about someone lost their job and they lost their house. we got to get them back on their feet, or this family's down on their luck. And there are actually pretty substantial resources certainly in places like New York and Los Angeles, to help someone who is down on their luck for a period. When you're talking about the homeless population, you're really talking about vagrants. Many of them are vagrants by choice, meaning that they're people that are effectively choosing to be unhoused so they can do drugs and have drug addictions. That is the overwhelming, this is by the numbers, 70 80% plus, maybe more like 90% plus of the people you're talking about. So this isn't someone who lost their job and lost their house, right? So then, Clay, they got to feed the habit. What do they do? They sell drugs. So now they're selling drugs to people. So they're expanding the population of likely drug-addicted homeless in these areas. And then they start stealing. They don't enforce the laws on theft in stores. and st- So then they steal to buy the drugs. And then if that doesn't work, they just start robbing people and, you know, having, you know, uh, going crazy because they're doing all these drugs. This is all very understandable how this happens. Gavin Newsom, though, is like, yeah, it's really a conundrum. And then I love the evil Keanu uh, Reeves as Gavin yeah. Newsom. Here's the other one that, that I flagged. The number one way to determine, I think, whether things are going well in a state or not is population. If things are going well, more people want to live there. If things are going poorly, less people want to live there. Between July 2019 and July 2022, again, this is the Wall Street Journal, latest available census data, 1.44 million Californians left for other states. Now, Buck, this is an important data point. The population in California went up every year since it became a state in 1850 all the way up to 2020. Think about how wild that is as a stat. What is that? 170 years, the population of California only grew. Gavin Newsom becomes governor, COVID restrictions, they suddenly lose a million people. Simultaneously, Florida has gained 737 people. And that goes to, we've talked a lot about this with New York City. California lost $55.7 billion in adjusted gross income between 19 and 21 from that population, while Florida gained $80.6 billion. Florida's getting better. California's getting worse. And that cycle seems to be perpetuating itself. I think the comparison between these two states is utterly fascinating, which is why that debate with Hannity tomorrow on Fox News is going to be, I think, for people who watch it, so eye-opening in terms of data. Yes, and you obviously have two very ambitious and uh, widely recognized governors who are ideologically you know, very much aligned. You know, there's like Larry Hogan, people talking to the governor of Maryland, is he even a Republican? Was he a Republican? No one knows. Right. DeSantis is clearly a conservative red governor 
and and Newsom is a liberal blue governor, although I hate the usage of the term liberal for these authoritarian status, but still, he's a leftist. And and I think that what you'll see here in the uh, debate tomorrow, but just it's playing out more broadly all across the country, and people see this, and a lot of our audience includes people who, because of COVID, uh, and I think it's because COVID showed how much your state government actually matters. I'll be honest yes. with you. We just kind of accept, like as a New Yorker growing up, you're like, well, hopefully they keep the city clean and the, you know, they back the cops. And other than that, our taxes are going to be high. This place is a mess, but that's the price you pay for being in New York City. And then COVID came along and you're like, okay, so this is actually an authoritarian, uh, in, you know, insane asylum. Like this, yes. the people running this place are morons and they're, uh, they're somewhat dangerous actually to your freedom and, and to your property. Um, and so people move. That happened in a lot of places across the country. Clay, some of the Democrat response to this is all going to be, this is the cost. You see this with like California's, uh, emissions rules and environment. You could just, we could do a whole three hour show on how messed up California's environmentalist regulations and rules are. Affects dramatically the price of housing, makes it way more expensive for people to get ho- housing in California than it would otherwise be because, you know, they're, you know, they got to do another study on like the Delta smelt or the three toed sloth or they don't have those there, but you get what I mean. <laughs> um, that would actually be pretty cool if they introduced sloths into California, but they make these decisions out of ideology and they think that that's a price they pay to be better people. That's certainly the case in California. That's the California mentality. And this is, I'm somebody who thought about moving to LA at one point as an adult. The other part of it, Clay, federal bailout. That's the thing that they really would love to be able to get to where the federal government is kicking in more and more money for these blue states. So then when you move to Tennessee or you move to Texas, too bad. Your taxes are still going to prop up these failed states. And that's happening because most state governments have to be balanced, whereas the federal government can just evidently keep printing cash. And so they give the bailout to the state governments which is what we saw a lot of. One more data point here, Buck, to kind of put a, a, a bow on this. Student learning. California spends 45% more per pupil, K through 12, yet Florida is outperforming in terms of the number of their students that are considered proficient by a pretty substantial margin by the NAEP. Um, again, all of the data is going to be on Ron DeSantis' side tomorrow with Sean Hannity. I hope that the data overwhelms what will likely be the glibness and the smiliness and the California wine mom infatuation of uh, Gavin Newsom. Can I give you I mean, the preview of how this is going to go tomorrow? DeSantis is going to sit up there and he's going to be like, all right, so we are better on ed- education and employment and have lower taxes and... You know, we're instituting these policies and Florida's winning and all of that is true. Then Gavin Newsom's going to be like, all right, so we're a dystopian hellscape. So we can't get crime or homelessness under control. So our drug addiction is through the roof. So our state's falling apart. We're not about to turn this into the handmaid's tale, Ron. You know, it's just that's it. <laughs> we're not banning say- books. We're not trying to restrict yep. part. Yeah. Like, you know what his line is going to be. He's just going to go after him. I'm sorry, Ron. Fascist says what? You know, and Ron's going to say what? And, you know, this is what's going to happen. It's just going to be he's going to blame. He, here is one that I think crystallizes this in addition to all these other facts, Buck. And maybe we mention this when we come back and I'll bring it up. Disney World versus Disneyland. I think it's a compelling example 
I'll give you some of that data when we come back. But Disney World versus Disneyland epitomizes to me DeSantis versus Newsom, right and wrong, as we came and continue to recover from the excesses and failures of much of our government during COVID. We live in a world fast becoming influenced by artificial intelligence. Some might say a world improved by AI. Time will tell, of course. There are risks, too. But according to tech expert Colin Tedards, this is just the beginning of a new era that could make you wealthier than ever before, but you have to invest in the markets the right way. And there's one mega tech company that is all in on AI, and Colin has been following it. This company has spent over $200 billion on their AI project. The CEO of this firm says AI will impact everything, and AI may be bigger than the Internet itself. Through Colin's knowledge, he's found a little-known supplier that's delivering a key piece of technology, making this new AI project possible. He's confident anyone who gets shares in this supplier today could see massive gains. But you need to act now before it's too late. There's a fair amount of activity around this company already. Get all the details at newaiproject.com. This could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Check out this website for yourself, newaiproject.com, paid for by Brownstone Research. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong strong and getty show to start listening hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of the on purpose podcast on purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier healthier and more healed this week i talked to orlando bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. This is one that I would like to see Sean Hannity focus on some uh, in the debate that he's going to have between Gavin Newsom and uh, Ron DeSantis. I, I know a guy. We can pass this along. Yeah, we, we might, be able, along. might be able, might be able to uh, to get word to him. Um, there is certainly going to be a Disney component, I would think, of this discussion. Uh, because Disney is based primarily in the LA area, but also has Disney World, which is California, uh, D- Florida, and Disneyland, which is California. Just to remind everybody, Disney World in Florida reopened in July of 2020. Shut down sometime in March, reopened in July of 2020, was only closed for a few months. Disneyland Buck was closed all the way to, from March, to April of 2021, over a year. And when they finally reopened Disneyland, they didn't allow anyone from outside the state to visit and only allowed 25% capacity. They made that place stay closed for over a year. Now, people have come after Ron DeSantis on the left and said, oh, he's feuding with Disney. He made Disney billions and billions of dollars by allowing them and encouraging them to reopen in July of 2020. Now, you can focus on the don't don't say gay uh, controversy, but if I'm running Disney, nobody was a better friend to Disney at a desperate time of need than Ron DeSantis was because he got Disney World reopened. You could get on a plane, remember, Buck, fly all the way from California to Disney, uh, to Florida, go to Disney World, but you weren't allowed to get in your car and drive to Disneyland. That, to me, epitomizes how broken the decision-making in the state of California really was, and it does so by using two theme parks and the diametrically opposed stories that their opening and closure tell. The sad truth of it is, Clay, a lot of Democrats in the blue states enjoyed the tyranny. They liked it. They liked it. One of the greatest joys you can give your family the ability to relive your precious memories. That happens with the help of Legacy Box, the company in Tennessee that's digitally transferring memories from old videotapes and films onto brand new digital files. More than a million families have benefited from the technology and know-how that Legacy Box operates with. Every videotape you send to them is hand-transferred. The same is true with your old Super 8 films and photos. In a few short weeks from the time you send them your old memories on tape and film, they send you back those new digital files. That the kind you watch on your phone, share with every family member and upload to your computer. It's a brand new rediscovery for those memories you've stored away for a long time. This is Cyber Week at Legacy Box, so it's a great time to get your box now. Remember, you can fill it up at your leisure and send it in when you're ready, but get the deal now. Go to LegacyBox.com slash buck for an amazing 65% off their regular prices. That's LegacyBox.com slash buck. For 65% off. You know, if you look at history and you open a newspaper of any month, of any year, you know, of course, there's always tough stuff going on. Wars and depressions and recessions. And But if you look at this time and what's happening in Ukraine, a 600-mile front, a free and democratic European nation, 600,000 casualties, huge humanitarian crisis, NATO on the border of NATO, nuclear blackmail, uh, and it's affecting, you know, all oil and gas migration, food costs, and all international military and economic relationships. That's pretty tough. And that was before the terrorist attack in Israel. 
And so I look at those things as kind of, it's dangerous. We're in a rough time right now. That's That was Jamie Dimon, who is uh, the CEO of the biggest bank in the world, J.P. JP Morgan Chase. And uh, he's a... Clay, I think you'd agree. He's he's an astute guy. He's a smart guy yeah. uh, to get to that that place. He certainly understands the markets, the economy, and has to keep an eye on international international affairs. And he's just saying what we all see and know, which is that this is this is a messy world we are dealing with. Uh, probably get into a little more of the Biden administration's latest on the Israel Hamas war in the third hour today although we also have a guest I think uh, is Vivek third hour or is uh, Julie Kelly Vivek's here? third hour Julie Kelly's going to be with us next hour well, we can talk to Vivek talking to Vivek about Ukraine and Israel might make some headlines Ukraine you know comma and then Israel um uh, so I think that'll be interesting anyway this is the moment Claire where we start to see we're going to start to see more and more I believe going to the end of the year and then the new year some of the Democrat plans to try to just grind out however they can, uh, some kind of victory for, for Biden. And then they'll figure out who's really going to be president, you know, going into 2024 once the, the ballots are counted, however they're counted, however they're cast. Um, and you see this, I think, with the student loan, uh, plan here. Biden, as I said at the top of the show, 813,000 more Americans have been told their student loan debt is wiped. That's not really the appropriate term, as we know. It's really just transferred. Now this just means that this is something that uh, the, the, the debt transfers from one to another, in this case transfers to the taxpayers overall. Uh, so he's forgiven a total uh, of $127 billion for 3.5 million borrowers. Now, I just note, Clay, you know, Biden... Uh, did much better than Trump did with with particularly the young cohort of voters, like 20 to 30, 20 to 35. That's an area of strength for him. And it seems to me this time around, the plan is going to be, there's a, a lot of things they will do, but one of them is just use the taxpayer's money gun, take the taxpayer's uh, credit card, if you will, and just start start going on a spending spree to buy off who they need to buy off to get the votes they need. Yeah, and you could see this was what was going to happen when the Supreme Court struck down his initial student loan relief, and again, it isn't actually relief, it isn't actually forgiveness. Anybody who uses that term uh, is not being honest with the audience that is reading. What happens is somebody else's debt obligations that they took out to receive an individual benefit and education is then put on to you and me and everybody else out there who either never took out loans on our own educational behalf or paid them off like I did. Buck, I didn't pay off all of my law school loans until I think I was 37 or 38 years old. Um, not uncommon, by the way. There are so many of you out there listening to me right now, I'm sure, who have been paying off debts that you accrued in education or graduate school or wherever you may have gone for decades. Um, and that's not uncommon. So you paid your debts. Many of you will have paid for kids and grandkids based on the fact that you saved up to be able to take care of your family's own educational needs. You may have paid off kids or grandkids loans to try to make their lives better with your personal savings. And now the federal government comes in and says, Hey, we're just going to wipe all this clean. And you now, meaning you, me and everybody else out there who never took out these debts, 
have even more debt to have to pay off. And it's all a game designed to allow Democrats to say to all of these younger borrowers in their 20s and 30s, Joe Biden cares about your financial situation. He's going to take away your debt. And then the Supreme Court strikes it down. And what do they say? Oh, it's the big bad Republicans and the Supreme Court, many of whom were appointed by Donald Trump, that won't allow you to get out of the debt that you yourself created. And ultimately, this is just an abdication of individual responsibility, which is the foundation now of much of the left's ideology that you are not responsible for your own choices, but instead that there's a collectivist group that should take on uh, your responsibility. And why should people, um, I mean, l- l- let's look at it this way. People are struggling right now if they've bought bought houses recently or bought a home to live in because of the mortgage rate. The mortgage rate is a function entirely of government policy. This is Fed decision-making, and it's Fed decision-making in response to overspending that the government did. So you can make a case that people that are getting crushed by mortgage payments right now who can afford truly half the house value now that they could have two or three years ago based on the rate change on a month-to-month basis Where's, you know, where's their relief, right? I mean, you start to say, well, why are we privileging? I mean, I understand the argument. They say, well, you know, we, we encourage people to go to college and then the debt isn't dischargeable and credit card debt isn't really dischargeable these days either. It's very hard. And people are putting on credit cards now food, clothing, gasoline. So, you know, we don't want people running around naked and starving to death in America. So why don't we just wipe away credit card debt? Not only that. The housing situation is, I think, a ticking time bomb. Um, and, and not only commercial real estate, which you've heard us talking about, which is also a major issue, but let me just give you uh, a, a rough approximation. We are selling now fewer homes than we have in decades. And part of that is the mortgage rates being up 7 8%, as many of you out there know. But also, it is not leading to a decline in prices. We're selling fewer and fewer homes, but prices are continuing to tick up. I think they were up 3.9% on average in the past year. Why is that? Because the supply of available housing is not where it should be because so many people are fortunate enough to have low interest rates locked in that they're not putting their houses on the market, and the people who are putting their houses on the market are still getting more money, which means... Many of you out there that are renting right now are completely and utterly priced out of being able to buy a home because the amount that's required in combination with continuing to rise housing prices and interest rates is leading to a devastating uh, economic hit on many people. And, Buck, think about this for a minute. What should happen when mortgage rates go up in a rational and free environment, housing prices would come down. Because the amount that people have to afford to pay for housing is not growing at the rate that is required with those mortgage rates and also with the increase in housing prices. But because mortgage rates accelerated so rapidly, many people out there, and a lot of you are listening to me right now, are not going to be putting your house on the market because you can't bear to give up your 25 or 3% mortgage to take on a 7% or 8% mortgage, even if you would like to move because you got new kids uh, and they're starting school and you want to be in a, in, a, in a better school district. Or maybe you're elderly and your kids have moved out of your home and you don't need the big house anymore that you've got and you'd like to be able to move, but you're not going to give up that 2.5% mortgage. I've got a 2.5% mortgage. 
I haven't paid it off. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate I could. I, I want a two and a half percent mortgage. I got a two and a half percent mortgage in my, uh, rate in my house right now. Wait, I would be uh, a madman to pay off that two and a half percent mortgage that I've got uh, when mortgage rates are seven and a half or eight percent. And a lot of you are in a similar position to me. Um, and that is curtailing the overall availability of housing in the in the entire nation. Isn't the Treasury at like four percent, four point five percent right now? Ten year Treasury uh, note, something like that. I yeah, four point five, I think. 4. And the 5, and yeah. the current rate is, I think, five point two five to five point five percent. Um, in terms of what the Fed funds rate is. So again, they're probably going to come down because I think one of the ways that Biden's going to try to juice the economy, um, is they're going to try to bring interest rates down. Probably starting in the spring, I would bet on a couple of rate cuts before the election. So Biden can argue we beat inflation and now we're bringing interest rates back down. Uh, but that is where we are. And many of you are now handcuffed by the financial rapidity of the rise. And this doesn't even get into buck. I'm seeing this. I've got some commercial real estate investments. Um, there are lots of banks out there that do not want to refinance loans because they have got so much debt on their books that is from an earlier era, they are avoiding and trying to get out of commercial real estate exposure, which is leading to many different properties out there that rely on people to show up. And again, commercial real estate was only 50% of people basically are even going into the office now. We got a ticking time bomb going on there uh, that is slowly going to reveal itself as many of these low rates get wiped off the books. And a lot of deals from a real estate perspective don't paper at uh at at the at the rates of mortgage uh, properties that we're talking about right now just every decision that the federal government makes in the next uh year is going to be that the i mean the entire machinery of of the federal government including the fed which i know is independent sure it is uh it's all going to be made to paper over and delay any reckoning of what has been done to the economy and the playing the games with rates and the debt and everything else. So just look at it that way. And I think you'll, you'll be able to anticipate they will pull every lever they have to confuse people or to mislead people about the true strength of the economy so that Democrats can stay in power. That will be the whole plan. That's right. You're a hundred percent right about that. And, uh, and a lot of you out there are going to see that that is totally broken. Uh, but in the meantime, look out. Uh, look, saving money's good. Uh, we all commit to doing so one way or another. A lot of you trying to save money right now based on where the economy is, based on what you're having to pay for housing costs. There's a great app that's saving people money on gas, groceries, restaurants called Upside. You get actual cash back from your everyday purchases, saving you money on the items you're purchasing more often. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. To get started, download the free Upside app, create an account, and when you do, use our promo code Clay and Buck. So you get an extra 25 cents back on each gallon of gas you buy with the first use of your Upside app. If you like saving money, app's going to help you wherever you are. It tells you the gas stations or the grocery stores closest to you that give you money back. And there's dozens and dozens of them to choose from. Restaurant choices, whether it's Subway, Jersey Mike, Starbucks, list is long, very recognizable. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside, probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app today and use our promo code Clay and Buck for that extra 25 cents back for every gallon on your first tank of, that, uh, of gas. The Upside app 
Great money saver all year long. The Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives with cool content, surprise guests. Get it all on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that, is that my baggage? look like my baggage i mean i know okay that's mine let's unpack that listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we are rolling through the Wednesday edition of the program, Buck, my good buddy Mark Cuban. I don't know if you paid attention to this story, but it does have a political connection potentially. Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks. On Monday, he stepped down from his role on Shark Tank. Interesting, intriguing perhaps, given that that show has been on for a very long time. And I believe he's been on that show, what do you, what do you think, a decade or more? Is that fair uh, to, to probably surmise that that mm-hmm. show has been around? He's been on it for a long time. Um, and so yesterday evening, another story came out that Mark Cuban was selling for three and a half billion dollars his Dallas Mavericks team to the Adelson family. Sheldon Adelson, I believe, died in the last couple of years. Very successful, uh, gambling based company. I think they own is it stars? I, I can't remember the, uh, the, the names of the casinos. They have a huge uh, footprint in Macau, I believe, certainly in Vegas as well. And they are a multi-billionaire family. 
And so the talk is that in selling that franchise, they, they also, by the way, the Adelsons, among the biggest donors to Donald Trump out there, in selling that team to the Adelsons, and Buck, this is me with a little bit of uh, expertise on this issue, I think this is probably also connected to sports gambling. Texas does not yet allow sports gambling legally, but there is talk that individual Texas pro sports teams may be able to get licenses. Uh, so, for instance, Jerry Jones with the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Adelson's probably buying the Dallas Mavericks with a connection to sports gambling in the future, potentially in, in play. That would be my analysis of this. I don't know them personally. But regardless of what the motivations might be for them to buy, Buck, there is talk that the reason Mark Cuban is selling this franchise, pocketing billions of dollars, is because he is preparing a third-party bid to run for president of the United States. So, uh, now maybe he would be on the no-labels ticket. The no-labels ticket has raised tens of millions of dollars. They've talked about Joe Manchin former or soon-to-be leaving senator from West Virginia. They've talked about Larry Hogan, the former Republican governor from uh, from Maryland. But could Mark Cuban be setting up a Mayor Bloomberg-like presidential run and be willing to spend potentially, what did Bloomberg spend, Buck? Was it a billion dollars basically on his presidential run back yeah. in 2020? I mean, he yeah. just went and paid for everything. Could this be a billionaire running for president move by Mark Cuban with both Trump and Biden trying to run between the two of them. You buy this? What do you think's going on? I mean, it, it's it's so hard to know in advance here. It's so hard to understand exactly what the plans of a billionaire like Mark Cuban would, would be in this situation. I do think that now people increasingly just view running as some kind of... um opportunity to make their case and to get a lot of attention like so even if you have no realistic shot of becoming president you throw yourself into the mix so that you know you're able to basically do what you do what you can to make your case and to get people to focus in on you and to bring your message to the people i've been arguing for a while that the nba destroyed its brand in many ways by uh embracing woke politics and Mark Cuban has feuded with me about that on social media off and on over the past few years. If you thought the NBA's future was as unlimited as Mark Cuban has tried to argue, it certainly is an interesting decision to up and sell your team uh, for $3.5 billion and also step down from Shark Tank. Again, the combination of the two makes me wonder if he's planning a third-party presidential uh, bid. I don't think he would challenge Joe Biden in uh, in certainly the uh, Democrat primary, although who knows? Um, that would be uh, even more explosive, I would think. Certainly he can't run as a Republican at this point. We'll talk about this with Vivek Ramaswamy. What does he think Mark Cuban's doing? I bet they know each other. Not that many billionaires out there. They tend to, tend to cross-pollinate occasionally. Excellent idea. We'll also uh, have you tee up the story here about what's going on with this kid who yes. was attacked by Deadspin. And it turns out there's even more to this story than the fact that it was completely insane that they went after him. We'll talk to you about that coming up on Play and Buck. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.